in the game of basketball, stars are made. But how do they get to that point? How has the game changed them? And what are they doing today? Welcome to Rebound Radio with your host, Matt Fish of Rebound Magazine. Each week, Matt goes one-on-one with some of the legends of basketball, finds out their inside story, and uncovers stories you've got to hear to believe. Now, here's Matt Fish and Alex Clancy. Welcome, everybody, to Rebound Radio. Uh, Alex Clancy in studio alone today. I do have the... Matthew and your new middle name will be never late to the dinner bell fish. That's that's what it's going to be. So, um, Alex Clancy in studio, Rebound Radio. Welcome, Voice America Radio, uh, 888-346-9144. Follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Follow Matt Fish at Rebound Talk on Twitter. Uh, we have a very special guest today. Uh, former NBA player Vladimir Stepania will join us. Uh, we will talk about his... He's diving into education and, and what he's doing now. He played in the NBA for, I believe, seven years. Um, got drafted by Seattle first round. I think he was the 29th pick, uh, 27th pick by, this, by the uh, Supersonics uh, in 98. Uh, maybe asking a little bit about George Carl. I don't know. Uh, Matthew Edward, never late for the dinner bell fish. How the hell are you? Man, I'm uh, sitting right here at the dinner table. So it's all good. Yeah? I, uh... I actually drove uh, from Phoenix and Mount Hawaii Wood this time of year to the farm on Iowa. So I'm out here in Iowa with family and uh, enjoying kind of the holidays and seeing some relatives. But happy to be, obviously, on Rebound Radio, getting it done again. How long did it take you to get out there? You know what? I got up at 2.30 in the morning, and I drove almost 13 hours straight to Oklahoma City. Did hot wire, got a pretty decent place. My daughter was with me. I got to say, she slept most of the time. Turned right around the next day and drove the rest of the way up here another nine hours. Oh, not that people think, you know, it wasn't that bad though. And so I made it. But when I got here, it was so cold and windy, windy, windy. And this is the coldest I've been in a while. But uh, I guess I'll find a way to bounce back and uh, just layer up. Yeah. So you guys just did impromptu. You know, my dad was in town. He was ready to meet you, and you just peace out. Ah. You don't think about anybody except for your family. You know, which is not true. And that's going to be a total focal point of what we're talking about today. So let's get into it. So for those of you that haven't listened, watched, uh, read about, or anything yet, Rebound Radio is foundationalized upon the betterment of former athletes. Now, whether this be through the National Basketball Retired Players Association or Rebound Magazine as a, as a separate entity, which is a magazine that Matt puts out quarterly, he, uh, he's the CEO. He's the one that runs it. He gets the advertising. He gets the content. He does everything. And it goes out to all the former athletes. I saw the, uh, the email list. I mean, there's a lot. So everybody that used to be or, you know, is thinking about becoming a part of the NBRPA at some point gets a copy of this thing. And it's a great publication and this is now spawned rebound radio i was lucky enough to meet matt about six months ago and we've been doing a show ever since to get the word out about former athletes uh what they're doing now what the issues they went through after leaving the game the issues they had during uh, their playing time uh it's a multi-pronged uh, corporation the nbrpa is and rebound magazine has joined in with the national basketball retired players association and joined um together to, to to make former athletes have a better life than they may have now. That, that about sum when it up? I became a member, you know, when I became a member about, oh, I don't know, 12 years ago, probably by now, I was hearing all these great stories from these former NBA players and WNBA players and, 
I just wanted to share them because it kind of felt like, you know, hey, you know what, I'm no legend, although we're called legends of basketball. And then you get to thinking about it, how few make it to the top. You know, and it's it's really cool to hear these guys and all the stories, and everybody's got a great story of how they made it there. So that's really what spawned Rebound. Beyond that, you know, use it as a resource for the athletes themselves, bringing different opportunities to them, uh, you know, for investments, you know, for education, just, just really trying to be a catch-all of everything that can help the transitioning athlete. And beyond that, reminding the fans of who they are. Because every generation that comes along, they forget. And I'm trying to do just that, make sure that these guys aren't forgotten, that, you know, what they've done to make the game what it is today, they're a part of it. And we should remember that, and we should honor that. And so, really, that's, that's what I enjoy most of all, is learning these great stories and then sharing them with, with those uh, that find it interesting as well. And with, with that, uh, a lot of charitable work goes into it, correct? You're always doing yeah, something. Well, you're always doing something with a yeah. different charity, and uh, sometimes, you know, Cedric Sabalos will spearhead a... You know, a, a heart uh, awareness, um, you know, seminar or event where you have free heart screenings for former athletes, and then now he's moving into the eye of the ocular department, uh, and uh, and it, it's just it's it's never ending. Every time I talk to you, there's a new charity, there's a new a new camp yeah. you're putting on for kids, and basketball may be the aura and the umbrella around the camps and the charities that you know you put on. But really, the the foundation for that is just life skills and financial literacy and things of the like. Correct? Yes, it is. And being a president of a nonprofit five hundred one c three Phoenix chapter, and there's eleven across the United States, I can work hand in hand with the other presidents, you know, nationwide, in order to find a way to make differences, not only nationwide but locally in your community. And so we do just that. You know, we've done some partnering with Valley of the Sun United Way. We've you know worked on some with the Boys and Girls Club and. You know, we, we've just found a variety of ways to give back over the holidays, you know, uh, turkey drives and whatever else have you. Uh, most recently, I put um, uh, Alvin Adams and Tom Chambers are going to go over to the BMW Chapman uh, in Chandler on Friday night because there's a culinary festival, as well as jazz music, as well as free wine and beer and food. And all the money raised will be going towards you know, this food, this culinary aspect. But beyond that, I know that it's those guys going out there and enjoying some time and having a nice party before New Year's Eve. So that's tomorrow night at Chapman in uh, Chandler. That's fantastic. And I can guarantee you that there will be no Georgian food served at that culinary festival. But on the line right now, we do have a former NBA athlete that um, I would say probably knows more about Georgian food than most. Mr. Vladimir Stepania. Vladimir, thank you so much for joining us today on Rebound Radio. How's it going? Not bad, not bad, thank you. Not bad. Oh, great, great. So Matt and I are here. Well, Matt is in Iowa. He uh, left me without telling me. Um, and I'm here in studio, and we are um, ready. We want to hear about your journey. So you were the first Georgian-born NBA athlete, correct? That's correct. Okay. So tell me about growing up. You're, so you're seven feet now. When did you hit your growth spurt? Uh, probably around twenty twenty one. Really? So you were six feet six one, and then after high school or after the high school years, you sprouted up. Well, there is no such thing like a high school in Georgia, right. former Soviet Union, yeah. or Europe. Uh, we have uh, <clears throat> it's a different system. But uh, I was uh, growing uh, throughout uh, very consistently, and uh, when I finish. Uh, 
so-called high school. I was like 17 years old. I was probably two seven, two eight, which is uh, probably six ten, six eleven. And the next couple of years, I got a couple inches, and uh, um, I'm around, like I said, seven feet, six eleven and a half, something like that. Sometimes seven one, depends on the shoes. Well, what was your favorite food food growing up? Um. Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, I uh, it's, uh, even if I'll tell you, I, I, I don't know. It's uh, I like ethnic food. I like Georgian food. Um, my uh, food preferences have changed. <laughs> uh, back in the day, I liked lots of soups, like bread, and uh, you know, bakery. Uh, I do like those things now as well. Yeah. So. I like it. Well, Matt Fish is on the line. And I think Matt has been he's been excited all day to talk to you. So, Matty, go ahead. Yeah. Well, you know, I got such a, uh, a kick out of uh, touching base with you when we saw one another. I worked six months at the as an internship at the NBRPA, and one of the people working there is from the country of Georgia. And she was just so excited that, you know, you, you were going to be at the, I believe we saw each other at one of the Legends World Sports Conferences or one of the All-Star Games. I'm not sure which, but, you know, when we connected, uh, I think it was the Legends World Sports Conference. She was all about, you know, I got to go see him. I got to go check him out, you know, and see what he's up to and see what he's like and on and on and on. And so connecting the two of you was just uh, fantastic to see you guys banter back and forth about, you know, your country and, you know, being another, you know, in the United States talking about being from Georgia. So I got a big kick out of that. But beyond that, it's just uh, been nice to be able to catch up to you and, uh, and learn a little bit about, you know, your journey because I know it's not like, you know, most of the journey, people born in the United States, but, uh, you know, you got your first start playing overseas. You know, when, when you grew up, didn't you have a lot of family obligations, you know, that you had to look after your family, you had to make sure that your mother and father and brother were all taken care of? How did that factor in in your decisions to either stay there and play or come to the United States? <clears throat> well, I don't know how much our format will give me, how much time I have. We can talk about the whole day. Uh, unfortunate situation that when I was at the age of 16, I didn't have a good options. The sport, the basketball, was not my first priority. It was a decision, basically, to survive. You know, so uh, I was a very good artist. I was actually a painter, very good, uh, and I was oh. hoping to go in architect school. Yeah, I had very good, uh, you know, I was uh, one of the exceptional students in the school and. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, I mean, I don't want to go into lots of details here. I mean, breakage of Soviet Union generated lots of regional ethnic conflicts and uh, power struggles and some uh, political events with uh, disastrous kind of outcomes. And I was uh, in the middle of it as a 16 years old guy. Uh, especially, uh, like I said, I just want to, my mom is like a pure Russian lady. She was actually Soviet uh, Air Force, kind of uh, Air Force, so their way, airways. And my father was pure Georgian guy, was a mixer. And uh, also when there was tensions between Russia and Georgia and these relations, the dynamics also were not very healthy, you know, and I I felt every, every little of it as a little kid. So, yeah, I mean, the decision of playing basketball uh, was justified by helping out myself and also my family, survival. And uh, in my case, I would say it somewhat worked out okay because I had a talent in place. But, I mean, you know, and also I had some 
I mean, distant luck getting these coaches. But, you know, from my generation to just under, to give you understanding, uh, the ratio of success, uh, I was probably 11, 12 guy, national team in my age. Uh, and theoretically, I should not even be playing, but no one has succeeded because of the hardness of like going broad and paperwork and citizenships and lack of opportunity. And some of the kids who are actually killed, some of them joined military and they killed and actually clearances and stuff like that. So, yes, then was not pretty. But, I mean, things are much better now. I mean, things are actually, I mean, you know, there is technology, there are scouts out there, so if somebody can play, somebody's talented, he'll be noticed and he'll be given opportunity. Unfortunately, in my days, it was actually extremely difficult, yeah. So, uh, you, you, uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Matt. You grabbed that opportunity, though, didn't you? I mean, you saw that opportunity, and, and you went for it, and not everyone has that ability to do that. And I just uh, Did you see it as a way out? I, I, I cannot hear you. Can you repeat myself, please? Say it one more time, Matt. Yes. Yeah, sure, sure. I was just uh, you know, thinking, did you see basketball as a, as a way out or a way of helping the family or just a, a great opportunity, and did you just want to pursue that? That, that was what my first question would be is, here you are in the country of Georgia, you just keep growing and growing, and things are kind of amiss. Uh, you know, with the country, politically speaking, and so forth. And did you see basketball as, as an opportunity to, to just do something bigger or grander? Yes and no, because <clears throat> because when you live in a country uh, where basically it's an age of between socialism and capitalism, and when, for example, I'll just give you an example, okay? Just to leave the country, right, you have to go to, like, political, like, interviews, and you can only take $60 worth equivalent uh, uh, asset abroad, and you have to actually sign some paperwork. So it's not so simple. Like, I mean, even though you play basketball, there's very limited opportunity. It's not like now that you get, you know, NBA. NBA, America, like some, some, uh, some actually like popular team teams that end up playing later on. This was like mm-hmm. untouchable dream. I mean, back in it, when I was 17 years old, I literally, I didn't think about the future. I think about what I'm going to eat, you know. I mean, how I'm going to like survive next year. I mean, nobody thought about, okay, I'm talented, I can play. I mean, this was something that provides food, shelter, and table for the next six months. So we didn't have a vision that, like, oh, you know, we're going to, like, average so many points, we're going to do this and that, we're going to get this agent, endorsement. No, this is literally survival. I mean, try, okay, either I'm going to die here from hunger or going to get shot, or I'm going to go there and they'll pay me $500, they'll put me in a dorm, and from this five hundred dollars, I have to send back three hundred, and from these two hundred, maybe I'll probably save some. I mean, this is the thought process back then. I just want to make sure we clear mm-hmm. on that. I mean, nobody thought about okay, this is some kind of basketball love of the game. I mean, I didn't have a huge right. love of the game at this point. I was just a kid forced to do something that I kind of know what I do. And some people would tell me I was talented enough because I'm seven feet and I can grow, etc. But Back then, it was like, am I going to survive tomorrow or I'm going to, like, 
die of hunger uh, or I have to join some kind of gang, I mean, some staff gangs and maybe get shot or something like that. I mean, that was actually literally the choice. We're speaking with Vladimir Stepanya, a former NBA player, Georgian born. We're talking about his upbringing uh, in the area in which he was growing up. So a couple minutes before break here, when you got drafted in 1998 by the Seattle Supersonics, what was your emotional uh, just plate right there? I'm sure you were thinking a lot of different things with your family and everything. And you know what? I want I want to get the full answer. we got to take a break. Alex Clancy in studio and Matt Fish on the line from Iowa, former NBA player Vladimir Stepania on the line. We will be right back on Rebound Radio. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Check your feelings at the door and enter the man cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and friends are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the man cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You're listening to Rebound Radio with Matt Fish. Call into the show today at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also drop an email to mattfish at reboundmagazine.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Alex Clancy in studio. Rebound Radio. Matt Fish from uh, the big honkin' farm in Iowa. Probably frigid. It's 75 degrees here. What a huge mistake. Anyways, uh, and we have um, former NBA athlete Vladimir Stepania, first Georgian-born athlete uh, to play in the NBA. Uh, we talked about his upbringing, not necessarily the best. Um, you did persevere. Um, you got drafted in 1998 by the Seattle Supersonics. When they called your name, what was the first thing that went through your mind, if you can remember? Yeah, I remember that night very well. Actually, <clears throat> Uh, I was back then. I was actually top-rated European, one of the top-rated European players. I had a couple distance seasons behind me, and uh, I actually had no intention to come to the United States at all. I mean, I'll be very honest with you. Guys. That's interesting. We do, yeah. So uh, because I didn't feel ready, and um, 
like I said, it was just, um, I mean, th- people that got drafted after me, like Marko Jaric and uh, Drobniak and uh, Rebracha in second round and you know, year after me, they've done much better financially and career-wise because they didn't have this uh, three-year commitment. So uh, I went relatively low. Uh, I went relatively low. I went uh, first round 27. Like from political standpoint, from like for Georgia, for even Slovenia, where I came from, European team that was big success. But uh, I mean, I, I have taken a huge pay cut to come to the United States actually, and I, I kind of thought that it's gonna be good. But um, that night to go back, I was kind of disappointed because I was kind of low first round. But at the same time, I was still happy because it was still first round and first guy from Eastern Europe. Uh, not just, you know, Georgia, but like Russia and this, you know, Andre Kirlenko went after me. Like they, I think she went 25th or 26th, like two years later, a year later. So for us, it was kind of, you know, it was still successful. I mean, I had a very, uh, I had a, another year of my contract, right? So buyout was not clear, right? How much my team asked for. So that was the main trigger point why I kind of went so low because uh, teams didn't want to take a chance of having some player that, you know, could, they draft somebody first round, and he's not going to show up to play, you know, because team doesn't let him go. So, so all right. the stuff all together uh, kind of created uh, stuff. And Seattle back then, there was the second team in NBA. They had gone to the finals year before, so they didn't really care about whether I'm going to show up to play or not. So, yeah, that was pretty much all the dynamics. So I, I'm just trying to be honest. Ten years after I retired, so. <laughs> I mean, you know. yeah. Well, it's yeah. amazing. You know, you, you, you get drafted to Supersonics, and it's exciting at the same time. You have to take a pay cut. And I get that, too, because I know a lot of people, you know, who are playing in the CBA and playing some overseas uh, or playing in the United States, not in the NBA, would much rather go overseas and make more money. Because in our mindset, it's and it is tax-free. So you go over there, and whenever you're going to get paid, you're going to get paid. I just want to make sure you guys understand. I came from home, right? Europe is my home, right? I have a house, I have you know, citizenship, very well-respected player, speak several languages in the you know, Baltic states, Georgia, Russia. I'm a home player, right? So I come from mm-hmm. home, leaving money in home in my table to come to test the waters of the NBA. It makes sense. It's not like I'm an American-born guy who's right. from Cincinnati or from some Ohio, and uh, he's deciding whether he's going to go 10-day contract, going to go overseas to play. Overseas is, for me, overseas is the United States, right? Because <laughs> I was home. So, so I just want to make sure you guys understand correctly the decision-making process. So... Uh, I'm sometimes I'm actually regretting some of this decision I came here to play the first year because I wasn't ready and led to my kind of career-ending injury and I only played seven years after that. So, um, so like I said, I, I feel very, I mean, open about it. I mean, I, I enjoyed playing National Basketball Association. It gave me some, lots of good experience and met lots of good people. Uh, and but you know, I just like I said, try to be assessed the situation uh, like a uh, you know assessed like a good like I said we have a. Um, good assessment of situation and whatever I mean I've done maybe a mistake was I have to admit and whatever was positive I also have to admit that's all I really hope well, you like my answer yeah. that's, I tell you to me that's great I love to hear hear it from somebody from what I consider overseas 
you know, uh, uh, it's not overseas to you. I guess when you go to China, what, what do you call food? You don't call it, you know, Chinese food. You call it food. You know, so to, for you to leave, you know, home to come over here, that, and to me, I, I just wasn't ready, you know, and I did go overseas a little bit myself personally, but I hear what you're saying. You want to stay home. You want to impress the people that, you know, are around you. And so I can see why that was a difficult decision for you, you know, leaving home and, and money on the table to go play in the NBA. And a lot of people be like, the NBA is the best that there is. But you know what? Hey, when you're talking about your situation, not necessarily the case. So... You know, I just, again, uh, like that approach and like your viewpoint because it's not one, you know, that we normally get on the show, and that's why I was really looking forward to talking to you today. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm happy to talk to you guys all the time if you guys want. <laughs> where was, um, where, so uh, Rebound Radio, Vladimir Stepania is on the line, first Georgian-born NBA player, played in the NBA for six years, I believe, six or seven. Um, where was your favorite place to play? You played for a couple teams. I played, I like New Jersey, believe it or not, even though I didn't do well there. And I played, I like to uh, I play for Pat Riley. It was very difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a lifelong student, and I like to learn. And obviously, people that I can know the most, I like them and I respect them. So Coach Riley always had something to say to kind of trigger a mind. Uh, and uh, I like Byron Scott, even though he wasn't, like I said, he wasn't really, I mean, he wasn't Pat Riley, but he was also somewhat kind of educated. Uh, he played under Pat a long time. So, but every other team that played, like Sonic and Portland, was, uh, I mean, I didn't like the situations there. I, I actually, I mean, I played, yeah. I mean, through stuff, and it was not a great experience for me. But, I mean, you know, everybody's different. People are different, and uh, they just have to be honest about each other, I mean, about his stuff. So, um, that's that's pretty much it, yeah. Well, being drafted late ahead. in the second round myself, you know, I just uh, you say you were drafted late in the first round. Well, that would be an honor, you know, on my behalf. So, you know, you you, you kind of belittle the fact that you were drafted twenty seventh or, or you know to Seattle, and I'm just like, wow. no, that's that's a fantastic feat, and congratulations on that, as well as playing, you know, as a good backup. And I'll and I tell you what. You know, I was down there in Miami, too, and I had Pat Riley as a head coach, so I can totally understand why you enjoyed being under him because he is very cerebral. He's a smart coach. He had every second of the practice figured out, you know, on his little blue cards in his back pocket. You know, so he's a very, very cerebral guy and very smart. And I know that you're always about education, and as am I, so I'm always pushing it through the NBRPA. I got two master's degrees, and I got two bachelor's degrees. Why is education so important to you? To me? <clears throat> yeah. Well, uh, I think the I'll give you a little bit of philosophical answers here. What I've learned in the, uh, in my life is we have a couple main assets that we put us actually that God put us uh, out there to compete and stuff and I think one of the main assets is time second main asset is ability to learn and implement uh, learning and skill set and third obviously very important asset is discipline and health right so so we when uh, we live in a rapidly changed economy in the world uh, to be competitive right to be competitive any kind of topic you have to be have a uh, you have to have a uh, mindset of lifelong students. Whatever they learned five years ago, four years ago, might not fly today because things are changing very rapidly. And it varies to the industries. I mean, whatever, whatever industries, whatever industries are 
uh, whoever you know wants to pursue. But uh, without that, it's going to be hard. You know, I mean, uh, life also. <clears throat> you know, we, we live in very competitive, you know, environments. So you have to compete, and uh, you don't get compensated unless there is a need for that. For for you to. Uh, get a bid or contract or a job. You have the best what you do. It only counts with uh, with, uh, with uh, self approach and education and uh, self criticism and stuff like that. So, uh, I mean, I, I think that's my opinion. And some people agree, they will agree. Some people disagree. I mean, I'll leave it at that at this point. Well, I you know I believe in education. My mother was a teacher. My sister's a teacher. My grandmother was a teacher, and I teach. I've got a master's in education, and I've taught uh, special education. You know, I've done a variety of things in the teaching realm, and, and there's need, a need for it, you know, a need to mentor others. Knowing that you had a mentor growing up, who do you feel when you were growing up was one of your biggest influences and mentors that helped you get to the next level? I actually didn't have any mentors. That was one of the problems I've had. And I put it actually on my shoulders. Uh, because uh, uh, I had people like Coach Riley, and I had here and there some people I tried to approach. But um, I, uh, as a kid, you know, I, like I said, I I was always it was never my call. Like I had to do things that I had to do, and it was always kind of very stressful environment. And like you said, after I I. I, I intentionally stayed in the United States I, after my retirement uh, because I had some health issues that I had to take care of. And since my retirement has been 10 years, like I said, I have a master's from New York University. I'm getting my doctor's in business administration. I got two certificates in medical management and also business research. So, And I'm probably not going to stop on that because, uh, like I said, it's uh, <clears throat> this country provides opportunities for people like me uh, still. Uh, and then, uh, like I said, as long as, uh, you know, for me, it's not about like creating, being like multi-billionaire would be nice, but, but I just want to make, create value for others and myself and, you know, have a legacy around me. So that's, that's the, my kind of, uh, life goals for now. And then, uh, yeah. we'll see what it takes us. Yeah. Well, I, I think you've got the right approach. That's for sure. Do you ever get back to your, uh, country? Do you ever get back to... Uh, I go to your part of it. I mean, I, last year I haven't gone there because I had some uh, some personal stuff. But uh, two years ago, I went uh, to Europe. We have a we have a house there. I mean, I'm a citizen, and I travel. My parents there go back and forth. So I don't know how much you follow European economy and politics, but things are kind of on a hold there because all this mess in Middle East and economy kind of stops, and we have millions of refugees, increased terrorism. So. So uh, I'm talking about old Europe and everybody's affected by it. So, uh, <clears throat> so obviously that doesn't help. Obviously, so uh, so there there are lots of open-ended questions regarding the European Union. We had a break, a Brexit uh, from Great Britain. So things are right now. Uh, I'll say we we have to kind of see what's going to happen with the uh, European family, uh, European big, large European family of nations. So. Um, so we'll see. You know, I really hope that it's gonna things will be peacefully and uh, things will be resolved very well. And you know, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm this yeah, is I feel I am, so I'll, yeah, I would like you know, to. I, I feel that you have the ability to mentor back, though. I mean, you weren't mentored, but you dug in, and to me, I just think you'd be a fantastic mentor in a variety of different ways. Whether you, you know, give back to the a country in need. 
you know, give back to the game of basketball like you've given so much to it up to this point. You know, or just you just have so much to give back, even even touting education and the importance of bettering yourself. I mean, already today, you just to listen to somebody that that has a message that used to play in the NBA and, and overseas, and you know, people put you on a pedestal, and here you are, seven foot or taller, and you're bigger than life, man. You know, you're open, you're smiling, you're always good to talk to, and I just always have appreciated you since the minute I saw you. And again, uh, thanks for coming on the show, and it's great to learn. I'm, I'm learning every day. Well, good. Look, I'm like I said. I'm happy to. If you guys need me ever again, um, you know, just call me up, and I'll be happy to be on the show. And uh, like I said, uh, <clears throat> like I said, as far as the mentoring goes, uh, unfortunately, this is a supply demand product, and somebody uh, uh, we cannot mentor somebody who doesn't want to be mentored, right? There must be a demand on that, and we can supply the stuff or no cost. Just, I mean, I'll be happy to teach and educate the guys. Uh, and I think that uh, when people actually believe in education, they're more informed, not misinformed, and they uh, think that resources out there, there are people, they'll help you, they'll give you a hand for nothing in exchange. That's a big value for our community. So I'm happy to mentor and help other, whether it's a professional basketball player, young guys, whether just uh, educate them in marketing or business duration or starting business or fundraising, anything. I'll be happy to, like I said, to uh, uh, to do so because when I was growing up, I had nobody, you know, and that really it really put some kind of impact on me because I had nobody and it, it was hard to get some somebody kind of on your side. And that's very important to, not to be successful, but to, to have a satisfaction, life satisfaction because you need to have somebody who can kind of um, look after you, kind of, you know, kind of, you know, gives you heads up. It's very important, man. Vladimir Stepanya, that is the voice you hear. Uh, Rebound Radio, we are getting so much information, which is fantastic. I'm really happy you joined us. Uh, we have, we're, you're, you're not getting out of the woods yet. We have a couple more questions for you. Um, number one, so you happened to play in the NBA, but seemingly from everything that you've said with all the degrees and everything you have now, that was just one of the things that you've done in your life. It doesn't define your life, which is very, it's different with people that we've talked to and people you see in the media and everything. It's not something that's normal that you after, your life really started after the NBA was over, is, is what it makes it, I mean, that's, that's what it seems like. That's correct, yeah, that's correct. I mean, that's great. So right now, so we have three minutes to break, but I want to ask this first. What are you doing? So what's your day-to-day life like right now? Like you wake up in the morning, whenever you wake up, what do you do morning to night now? Are we, on, are we live or are we? <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Let, 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 let's keep it PG for right now. <laughs> no, no, no. I just, you told me you have three minutes break, so I was a little bit confused. Oh, no. Oh, no. We're live. We have three minutes until break, and I'll push it back a little bit because I want to get your full okay. answer. No, I have a, I'm a self-employed. We have a couple of small businesses in healthcare and also uh, wholesale distribution. I'm also in school, uh, family, so on. So, uh, uh, like I said, I, I'm not millionaire. I'm not making a huge amount of money, but every day I'm putting hard work to create value, you know, and what I have learned uh, through this process as a self-employed and effort entrepreneurship, I really have to be... Uh, 
I'm good for people around me, whether it's the family members or my workers and my staff. I'm only good as long as, you know, they make me up because I cannot have eyes on, uh, I cannot be present in three different, five different places at the same time. So uh, team selection, teamwork, and satisfaction of workers and, you know, like partners or stakeholders is very important for me. Uh, so... So this is where I am now, and obviously I have an ambition of growing, and I guess I'm looking to some opportunities. I'll see the trends, uh, you know, how things will develop in the healthcare, how this uh, big brick-and-mortar company is going to buy. Uh, we have a new Amazon store that you can just go in there and take stuff and walk there without paying. So, uh, I'm, like I said, I'm... This 10 years of more preparation, right now I'm kind of planning for another 10 years to try to make an uh, impact, you know, really hope this will happen and uh, build the value. So wish me good luck, you know, because I'm into it. Well, I'll tell you what, we, um, first two people, good luck. Uh, we got to get on the other side. Uh, on the other side of the break, we'll continue and wrap up with Vladimir Stepanya, uh, Rebound Radio, Alex Clancy in studio, Matt Fish in Iowa. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific time 3 p.m eastern time on the voice america sports channel now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop take voice america on the go and listen anywhere get our mobile app for iphone blackberry or android at the apple itunes app store blackberry app world or android market You're listening to Rebound Radio with Matt Fish. Call into the show today at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also drop an email to mattfish at reboundmagazine.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Final segment, Alex Clancy in studio. Matt Fish on the line from Iowa. Rebound Radio, Voice America Radio. Check out voiceamerica.tv. Click on the big Rebound uh, logo in the middle of the homepage. Click on that, and there's a bunch of video content that Matt and I did and that the CEO of Voice America did, Jeff Spinard, at another uh, charity event at the Wigwam for Jerry Colangelo. On the line, like we've had all show, Vladimir Stepania, former NBA player, and now the owner of how many degrees do you have? Well, I have, uh, I have one master's, 
I have two certificate postmasters. So I'm getting my the DBA, Doctors of Business Administration. So I'm probably another year to go. Yeah. Wow. Year. So four when you're all done. Yeah. That's that's fantastic. And I and Matt has two two masters in education in business. Is that right, Matt? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I mean, that's this is this is what real. Go go ahead, Matt. Take over. Well, you know, I, I again and said it earlier that I admire people who don't be, and you said it too, Alex, aren't defined by the game of basketball, but really use it, you know, as an opportunity to make a bigger difference, you know, uh, teach others. And, and in the health area where you're making that big difference, Stefania, is just unbelievable, and I just think that's great. And congratulations on all that. Uh, you are a new member of the NBRPA. Um, what do you like about your new experience, and what would you like to see changed about the MBRPA? Because I'll see if I can't make those changes. <laughs> oh, okay, actually, I really like this organization. I, they gave me an yeah. opportunity. They gave me a scholarship for uh, uh, it's uh, to get a doctor's degree through Anaheim University. They said I'm right. forty or fifty thousand dollars free dollars that uh, I applied. I got it. Uh, I cannot say like this Anaheim University is not Stanford, but somebody like me who's working like 70 hours a week, uh, and this is good resource for me, you know, so especially it's free. I wish I had it like 10 years ago, you know, so like five years ago. This is a great organization. The CEO of organization or president, uh, I forgot, can you remind me his name? It's, uh... Uh, from oh, New Orleans. Arnie, Arnie yeah, Arnie yeah, Falco. we got Arnie yeah. Falco. Yeah. I had a conversation with him, and I actually expressed him a lot of gratitude because this organization is ran, is being run as a, like a, a true add value kind of corporation that adds lots of significant value to its members and uh, stakeholders. And it's in case of stakeholders, of us. All right. But we are a very small scope of like a group. I mean, we only have like a four or five thousand, maybe ten thousand members. Uh, but yeah. the the difference is, like I said, the significant impact that was provided. For example, health insurance right now, right, and these educational right. programs and stuff. And uh, <clears throat> like I said, I uh, I would like to have, like I said, me personally, uh, because like I said, uh, there are lots of guys that played and. You know, you can divide, you know, you can actually divide guys, right? Uh, and everybody has a different uh, line of interest, right? I mean, somebody who retired with $50 million, he likes basketball, he has like five kids. I mean, his life interest is totally different than somebody who retired at the age of 27 with $100,000 in a bank and had like a bad injury and had to go back to school. Or somebody who retired maybe uh, 20 years ago versus somebody who retired five years ago. So I, I think I, it's a good idea to have some kind of chapters or some kind of like uh, circles of interest that the people are divided by so they get this networking going and they try to help each other out, you know. And also manage right. those circles with some resources available, right? Okay, if you want to, like I said, be coach, right, I'm pretty sure there are lots of people that can mentor in coaching. But what if you want to be a doctor? What if you want to be, a, like, open a restaurant, right? I mean, how many people own restaurants? How many are successful? How many are... How many, how many are not successful, right? So uh, I think right. matching people, matching people, and have some kind of like uh, some kind of panel or some kind of uh, uh, source of maybe it's very simple to do. You can actually do it through some Facebook or you can have like a like uh, uh, some discussion forum on the website and you can just post it up some ideas. It's not difficult to do at all. 
Uh, I think it's good. And bring in resources from other people. Like I'm pretty sure lots of people listening to us right now, uh, and they yeah. would not mind have me or you or somebody uh, come and talk to the to the, the, the office. You know, to to like the workers. I do that. You know, quite a bit in Washington. A friend of mine's like, hey, why don't you come and tell your story? I mean, what you went through and stuff like that. Because right, right. in a big business, we have an employee retention problem, right? Because uh, when we live in a society when there is no such thing like a loyalty to, empo- to employees and also to employers, right? People always looking, right? Uh, and the, the big corporations, also side corporations, they need people like that. They have a, like a, some kind of element of legacy and le- element of loyalty to kind of uh, to have, to have this liaison to other workers, right? So, uh, so if you go to the HR department of Microsoft and Google, they, they do that all day long. You know, I, I mean, the beginning of the free food and, uh, and free trips and maybe sometimes massage to bring in some people that people get kind of attached to. So they don't leave office, they stop, they quit looking uh, what else they can work, you know. Uh, so, but middle business actually in the United States are really pressed because it's huge guys and, uh, and, yeah. uh, they're also the small ones because they're in the middle, they have a limited budget. How they get these good workers, you know, how they get these, uh, uh, good workers not to go and jump to some bigger company or totally new startup, you know? So right, these right. dynamics, I think there is a room there for, for us as a former players, as somebody who's done life, who was kind of, uh, uh, I mean, maybe not A, B, maybe C level celebrity or D level celebrities, you know, recognized and also intelligent. So there are lots of opportunities out there and uh, uh, yeah. could be utilized and materialized yeah. by former guys. I mean, that's, I mean, sorry, so, I kind so of left it out. No, 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 not, not at all. I liked it because you touched on the education and they helped you out with, an, with a degree and they also helped you out to a scholarship as well. And you also touched on the, you know, camaraderie uh, and just being with some players and I appreciate that. Uh, but also you, 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 you threw some ideas out there that, uh, hey man, you know, we could really take advantage of this and that, which we need to. So what I'm here is always gathering ideas and thoughts how we can make a difference on a local basis. That's kind of where the chapters come in. So my thought is there needs to be a chapter in the Northwest up there. So I believe they're looking to, to, to put one up there. We spoke the other day with Brian Grant. He was interested in bringing one in for Portland. So that, that maybe we can get more people in local communities, you know, as well as the national uh, across the United States. So there's certainly something there. Now, we got to kind of wrap it up, but I wanted to ask you another question. Uh, are you going to go to the All-Star Game in New Orleans? Probably not. You know, I'll tell you why, because, <laughs> I mean, I like watching basketball, but basketball is kind of entertainment. And, uh, <clears throat> and I just want to kind of, I don't want to put, uh, I'm, I'm more like, I'm a kind of guy that, I'm a participant, you know, so if you, like I said, every sport marketing class should start with the identification of uh, sports marketing or sports marketing kind of segmentation, right? So you have a participants and you have absorbers, right? So sports has 80% of absorbers, they follow, they love the game, and they see all these games, the stats, they know who plays, who got traded and stuff. But you have participants, right? Participants, they actually like to participate in it, Right. Uh, so, uh, so I'm a participant, right? I mean, and I'm limited. I have a bad knee injuries. I cannot play anymore. I cannot run. I like to swim. I like to maybe, uh, do some cardio for myself, uh, stuff. And whatever I, I like, I really 
take lots of pride to it, whatever it has left in my, you know, in my uh, youth. But uh, on the other side, I like basketball. And uh, there actually, we have every year we have a must-see games. Like I just saw uh, Golden State and uh, Golden State against Cleveland. It was a very good game. Uh, here and there, I try to go to Portland, see a couple of games here and there. Because I, I, it's in my blood, you know, it's in my DNA. Basketball. I mean, I gave a game of basketball close to 15 years of my life, right? So, but I cannot physically follow. Uh, all this entertainment process, you know, you know what I mean. So I just want to be very clear. I mean, I, this is my personality. I mean, uh, sure. I like see kind of blood, and I want to see sweat, and uh, not blood. Sorry, I don't want to say <laughs> that. But they you know this hot, <laughs> right? I like see that. Any entertainment game, I don't like. You know, so that's the answer for me now. And unfortunately, I don't do lots of. Uh, I'm not involved in this like chapters much. I have lots of work to do. Right. I got to oversee our businesses and employees and stuff, always something to do. Uh, so that's why for now, in my life right now, entertaining component is not very important. But uh, five years, six years from now, and things will change. Maybe it will be, you know, I don't know. So. <laughs> well, you know what, Vladimir, I'm... I speak for Matt, I believe. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to us and being, you know, giving full disclosure and, you know, being very real and raw with your upbringing and through the NBA and what you're doing now. We really appreciate it. And, um, yeah, hopefully we'll have you back on Rebound Radio in the next uh, upcoming months. Okay, okay. Anytime. I would love to do that. I think it's, uh, you know, I'm, I, I, I never heard. I mean, it's, it's good that you guys reach me out, and I'm, I'm happy. And like I said, if you guys need specific topics, I mean, something is a, expert topics i'm happy to talk about them as well fantastic thank Great. you so much once again i really appreciate well, guys, it thank you for having Thanks, me and I yeah wanna, thank you so much i just want to wish all our uh, radio listeners happy new year i want to have lots of prosperity and success in 2017 also you guys and lots of health and good decisions and uh, lots of love and happiness so like i said thank you again and we'll probably see each other in new year 2017 and uh, god bless you all Thank, thank you very much. Good luck on the doctorate. Okay, thank you. Bye All right, take care. <laughs> wow. I mean, that was good. Yeah. 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 And, and, and when I really had a chance to chat with him, you know, the first time I met him, I was like, this guy's doing bigger things. And I'm just finally happy we got to circle back and get him on the show. Yeah. No, it's fantastic. I mean, it's yeah. it's a wealth of knowledge. And, and I, I wish that, I mean, it wasn't part of the, the questioning, um, uh, you know, just where the questioning was going, but I was kind of taken aback that he just glossed over the NBA stuff. Like that's not what he's that's seriously that's not what his life that's not what his life work is. Which is what I said it, but it, I we, I didn't get to dive in too much because you guys were talking about much more important things with what he's doing now. But it's just that's special that you come up from Whoa. poverty and in. In, in communism and, and awful things in the Soviet Union, and then, you know, you don't know where you're going to get your meal the next day, and then you happen to be 6'11 when you're 18, so you start playing basketball because you don't want to be in a gang, and then you come and you get drafted, and now you have four degrees, or you're working on your four, you're working on your doctorate. Like, that's that's pretty special. Well, he, you know, and pardon the pun, but he, I can't ever see him coming up short. Oh, you know, God. He's, he's just... Uh, you're better than that, Fish. <laughs> Come on, Maddie. Well, you know, I, again, you know, it's weird because, like you said, most people are always about, you know, the NBA, the NBA, but it was just secondary to him. Yeah. You know, he's like, am I, I going to have to leave home and take a pay cut to play in the, in the best league in the world? 
<laughs> you know, it's just like, oh, you know, it just kind of puts a whole different perspective on it, uh, especially for Americans who believe that the NBA is what it's all about, and it not necessarily is. You know, I've had a chance to go over there and see what it's like to play in, in Europe. I've had a chance to play in Asia as well. And those places, either you play pro ball or you don't play pro ball. There's no leagues or there's no, you know, there's no college. You know, there's nothing like NAIA. There's none of that. It's either you play professional basketball or you don't. What level of professional basketball do you play at? Is it A, B, C, D? You know, that kind of thing. And, uh, and, and so when you talk about, like, college, he's just like, that's just so foreign to him. You know, but we don't understand that over here because it's not our system. But uh, so, you know, he played many, many years of pro basketball before he ever even got to the NBA. And that's why he ended at such a young age, I believe. He's like, I've done it. I've done what I needed to do. Now I want to do other things in life. Don't you feel that way? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's... Yeah, I feel that he's going that way. Yeah, and it's... it's um, This is what Rebound Radio is all about, him. Like, this is this is what it's about. You know, it's about learning really in depth about what it's like to not be yeah just to to not just see a person wearing a jersey and we say it every time but look at the life that guy's lived you know coming from Georgia first first NBA born or uh, first Georgian born NBA player drafted pay mm-hmm. cut doctorate uh, on the way family charity all this stuff that mm. i mean people just remember him from the NBA but i mean his life wasn't wasn't made because he played in the NBA, and that's fantastic. Maddie, we got to go. Um, oh, I'll see you here next week, right? Well, who knows yeah, with you? It's going to be hustle. What did you say to me? It's going to be hustle, I said, but I'll, I'll definitely... You, you don't have to. It's fine. Oh, I want to. Uh, I know you do. I know you do. <laughs> I hear the dinner bell ringing. I got, we got to go. Uh, Alex Clancy in studio, Matt Fish from Iowa. That sounded very Texan-y, sorry. Uh, we got a jet. We'll see you guys next week, Rebound Radio. Thanks for tuning in to Rebound Radio. Please join Matt Fish next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll profile another legend of basketball. Have a great week.